Hello, Spotlight friends. Welcome to another episode of Ave Spotlight. Today, I am joined by my new friend, Father Casey. I'm so excited to have you with us. Thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yes. Oh my gosh. So cool. And I just love meeting like other young people doing things in these streets. Sometimes it's like we're on opposite ends of the earth and I just, we never seem to connect, you know? So always see you on YouTube and out and about. So it's just so cool to be able to connect with you in real time. And I would love to know just like, what are you up to? And can you tell our guests a little bit about who you are? Yeah, thanks. So you're right. Social media is so great because it connects us with people that aren't necessarily right there with us. You're like, oh, thank God there are other young Catholics out there, <laughs> yeah. other young faithful people, other people who care. So yeah, so uh, I'm on social media a lot because I think it's a great way to evangelize and mm-hmm. it's a great way to get the message out. And so I love being on YouTube and Twitter and Instagram and TikTok and whatever else comes out next. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's just where you meet people where they're at. It's difficult sometimes for sure. We all know the pitfalls of social media, but it's such a life-giving thing to know, as you say, that there are other people out there. And it's so inspiring to hear other people's stories, the people I can connect with from other countries, and they can teach me about my faith. It's truly remarkable. Mm, that's amazing. So tell us a little bit about how you got started on all things media. I mean, for some people, and I'm talking to myself, I'm like very media illiterate. I Mm. don't really know how to do it. I have a TikTok and I think I've made three um, and I've just put some random filters on them. And I think that it's like going to break the internet and it absolutely does not. So social media can be really hard. Always a disappointment. (laughs) (laughs) Always a disappointment. I, you know, I want to be on the Oprah show and very famous, but maybe one day (laughs) that day will come. But I think, you know, it's really cool when social media is curated and it has like, people make content and are intentional about it, but also when it's just a free stream of thought, super cool. I see on your social media that you do both, which is awesome. You definitely have content that's curated for specific purposes, but also you have cool insight into just who you are. So how did you get started in all of that? Yeah, what a long journey. I never really wanted this for myself. I I think there's maybe something deep down that wants to be famous, as you said, but it wasn't really a strong pull. I Mm. actually resisted this for a long time. And I love the, there's a line from the movie Contagion, blogs are nothing but graffiti with punctuation. You know, how pretentious that someone would write about their lives and people would care. And that's kind of what I felt until I had a blog myself, (laughs) Uh. until I realized I was joining the Friars. And it all started very simply because I had a lot of family members and friends that had never met a friar or priest or religious life. And they wanted me to send them an email update every week. And I said, I ain't doing that 50 times a week. So (laughs) it was a centralized way of putting my story out there and realized almost immediately there was a good way to share this story that I wasn't able to find when I was discerning. I found a lot of historical things. I found a lot of theological things, but not a lot of personal anecdotes of what are the real struggles of this life? And so for the first four or five years, that's all I did. Once or twice a week, I would just tell stories. I would tear what I'm struggling with, what I'm hopeful for. And that's what it was. But it it blossomed when I got tired of complaining that there weren't things out there that I wanted to watch or mm. things that I thought were helpful. And I, I guess a peop, enough people just said, well, stop complaining and do it yourself. And it, one thing led to another. There's obviously little inciting moments there, but it ultimately was, why don't we try it? And for the first couple of years, it was a struggle, just like the blog was, until I started to learn things. I taught myself a lot watching YouTube videos. 
And that's just kind of the cycle. I didn't want to get on Instagram and then I loved it. Didn't want to get on TikTok. Now I love it. Mm. Who knows what the next thing will be? Mm. I don't know. You'll probably have like a metaverse character or something. Oh my if, gosh. <laughs> if I like know how that, I, I, I that was is a world my, I don't know. I know. Yeah. I was talking to my coworkers and I was like, I just honestly, between metaverse, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, I just, it's hard. I'm like, I don't even have regular currency. So I don't right. know how. <laughs> I know what that's like. I was like, I'm in like such a level of poverty that I don't even know what that's like. So maybe one day- There's gotta be a limit somewhere. Yeah, I'm like, I don't know how, where it will end or, you know, where the next thing will I think as Catholics, it's important to have that sacramental worldview and there's something Mm. about the material and the internet is a great stand-in sometimes, but it's not a good replacement. And so Mm. certainly we saw in the pandemic, the lockdown of churches, like there's something missing. Mm. And and same with social communication. It's great that I can connect with people from Canada and South Africa and Japan. And that's just truly wonderful, but it doesn't replace direct human action. And so I think the metaverse is trying to do that. Mm. And I'm a little uncomfortable with that. A little weird. I get it. No, same, honestly, same. So speaking of social media, and interacting with people. There are a lot of people that say the social media can be redeemed, right? It can be used for good (laughs) things and which is great. And, you know, we can preach the gospel on it. There are, you know, media nuns on TikTok that are making awesome TikToks. Yeah, (laughs) so cute. About their communities. There are priests talking about, you know, what confession is, breaking down all the sacraments, like such cool things, like 60 seconds to evangelize an audience that you may not reach at your local parish. So Mm -hmm. for people that think that social media can be redeemed, that's awesome. And for people that don't also makes sense. What is your stance on social media? And just because it can be pretty divisive at the same time, helpful. So where do you kind of stand in that, in that spectrum? You know, oddly enough, as much as I use it, I'm kind of neutral. I think it's a tool and I think it's a tool that can cause immense trauma. I think it, it can cause mental health issues as we've seen certainly with Instagram, but with a lot of them where it gives false expectations of reality. Mm-hmm. It, it disconnects people from real interaction. So I, I definitely think that's there. I think it can be a really great tool for evangelization, for connecting people, helping people who are lonely. We see this all the time in the ways that communities are formed and that's fantastic. And so overall, I don't think it's good or bad. It's really how it's used. And ultimately, even if it was in some ways bad, I'd still probably be on it because that's where people are. Mm. And I think just as Jesus went to the tax collectors and the prostitutes, if this is where everyone is, maybe that's where I need to be creating better content, creating Mm. better content, creating things that people should be learning from. And so, yeah, I I understand the people who say, oh, it's bad and it's, it's hurtful to people. And if that's the case for you and it's not good for your your spiritual or social self, then then let it go. But I think that's kind of where I need to be the Marine going into the, the building on fire or, you know, the rescue worker saying, well, I got to be here to to help people out of this. Wow. Okay. What a word. And I am the same way. I'm like, you know, sometimes it's good when you're like, I'm just going to take a three month break. And then you yeah. come back. <laughs> And then you come back and you're like telling people on your Instagram about how Shrek 2 is now on Netflix and all of a sudden you're back and it's the best, you know? So yeah. I went on retreat and I was, I was off the grid for about five, six days, something like that. And I came Mm -hmm. back and just jokingly said, so I've been gone for five, six days. Did I miss anything? Yeah. And (laughs) And people people tried to fill me in, but most were like, no, no, it just comes and goes. It's the same over here. TikTok, those trends will be done in like 24 hours. You probably miss a lot. Instagram. 
mm-hmm. it's pretty much stays the same. So okay. speaking of like living in social life, if we flip to living in real life in your mm. book, The Way of Beatitude, Living Radical Hope in a World of Division and Despair, you talk about living the Beatitudes in real life. And like, first of all, what does that mean? And second of all, how do we do that? I know that there are a million ways that people try to be holy, especially during, you know, Lent, which we're recording this in Lent right now. You know, we're all trying to increase, this is a horrible way to say, but like our holy meter, we're all trying to like, you know, knock it out of the park. Mm -hmm. And so I'm always curious about better ways that I can live. And I'm sure our listeners are as well. So I'd love for you to share more about that. Yeah, well, first of all, I'll say I had a professor in college who taught about the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7, and said that it was impossible to truly follow as a human being. Mm. So I don't exactly take that perspective, but I do think we approach that sometimes where you look at the Beatitudes and say, ooh, I don't know if I can do that. Absolutely. (laughs) I don't don't know if that's possible. So (laughs) I think that's definitely in the back of our minds that it is an ideal. It is something we strive for, but we may never perfect. But the inspiration for me for this book and really just my love for the Beatitudes over the last couple of years is I've seen a world really divided, as the title says, division and despair, that we have division and some people decide, well, I'm going to double down on division. I'm going to choose one side and then I'm going to vilify everyone on the other side. And we see this in our politics. We see this in our sports. We see this in our relationships. The other side of it is some people say, well, there's nothing I can do. So I'm just going to run away and I'm going to have my own safe little environment. I'm going to have a place where I have my friends and I don't care about anything else in the world because nothing I do ever changes it. And so they give Mm. in to despair. But I think the Beatitudes offer us hope, hope that there is a third way, that even though there is division, we can have redemption. And so the Beatitudes certainly have the component of you will be blank. You will be satisfied. You will inherit the earth, whatever it might be. And so there's hope. But I think there's even more than that, a present reality, that in the midst of affliction, maybe even because of affliction, we are blessed. And so what Jesus says is, blessed are the poor in spirit. Not blessed will be, but blessed are. So for me, what it is, is it's an active desire of living in that moment and embracing that moment Mm -hmm. and saying, I don't want to run from this division. I don't want to make it worse, but there's something in this I can learn. And there's something in it that will make me holy. It's like being thrown into the fire so that you can be more purified. Mm -hmm. And so, for instance, we could say that poverty of spirits, which ultimately has to have some physical poverty of it, it helps us be more trusting of God. It helps us remind that we are ultimately not in control. And so those who truly are poor in spirit know whose they are and where they're going. And I think that's what they ultimately do. If we live these Beatitudes, it gives us greater trust. It gives us greater empathy and ultimately more focus on what really matters. Wow. Oh, my goodness. And here I am thinking that it's a way more complicated answer. So but that is (laughs) that is so not complicated, which is amazing. You know, really, I mean, just being in the present moment of your daily Mm -hmm. life, you can really embrace what God has planned. That's amazing. That's super cool. This episode of Spotlight is brought to you by Sock Religious. Sock Religious is amazing, y'all. Just to give you insight as to what it is, I have a devotion to St. Josephine Bikita, St. John Paul the Great, St. Therese of Lisieux, you know, the Avengers of Catholic saints. And Sock Religious has amazing socks 
t-shirts, sticker packs, with all of these saints on them. Not only are they evangelizing, but they also look super dope. So make sure to check out more of what Sock Religious is doing on their website, SockReligious.com. I think that their stuff is super cool and I am blessed to be able to evangelize and flex some really cool attire. So make sure to check them out at SockReligious.com. Thank you so much. God bless. We've struggled through this pandemic for two years now. Mm. Today, as we're filming, is the two-year anniversary of when we got the email saying everything was shut down where I was. And so what a a two years it's been. Mm. And I think there have been a lot of people who say, well, when will this be over? And I Mm. can't wait for it to go back to normal. And I'm I'm with you, like 99%. But I also want to recognize what we have rather than what we want. And I also want to recognize that there's something in this that's really powerful And I hope we're not the same people. I don't want to go back to the way things were. The things were really messy in other ways. Mm. Um, We can look at the way that we treat the poor. We can look at the the relations we've had between races and between nations. We can look at the way that our economy works. I don't want that. And so maybe now that the veil has been lifted, now that we've suffered, we might be able to see our brother and sister a little differently. We might be able to realize that those things we cared about before aren't that important. Uh, We might find that we were pushed to the brink and the only way we got through was God. And so I I think, as strange as it sounds, these things can be blessings for us. And we use that idea of, you know, like hashtag blessed all the time. Like, look at my latte, look at my nice house, look at, you know, sunny day. I get that. But that's sort of blessed in the way of the world. The blessed in the way of Jesus is, is suffering and affliction. It's enduring these things with joy and finding that we are better off because we are closer to the kingdom in those moments, not because we're more comfortable. And that is a world twisted on its head for us. And that's really the beauty of the Beatitudes. Wow. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you for sharing a word. I didn't know I was going to be preached to tonight. So thank you so much. You invite a preacher. That's what <laughs> I'm <you> saying. <laughs> I'm like, I should have had higher, you know, like uh, that was amazing. Oh my gosh. I knew you were going to bring a word as I've seen your content, but that was, <laughs> that was so good. So that's so true. And thank you for being so encouraging. It's hard especially now, you know, like you were saying, we have been in this pandemic for so long and you almost get tired of, you know, I do this podcast every week and I almost get tired of saying like, well, now that we're transitioning out of COVID, but then saying, well, now that, that. (laughs) (laughs) and then, and then you'll say like, well, now that, I mean, we're still in it. And so you're just constantly kind of, you know, sitting on that fence of, of just kind of trying to be hopeful, but not really sure but things are still hard, but you don't really know what to think about it. It's just, so that's, that's amazing. Yeah. You know, just being grateful for what we do have and, you know, being hopeful for what the future can look like, because yeah. it is true. You know, there's a lot of things and I'm like, it would be a shame if we went back to the way that things were and we could yeah. really come through this just like better people and better society. So there's hope in that way for sure. Yeah. Cause ultimately what is our goal? Is mm-hmm. it to have a nice house and a beautiful society and, you know, we've got lots of money. That's a nice byproduct, but that's not the ultimate goal. The ultimate mm-hmm. goal is the We're kingdom of heaven, trying to bring right? that kingdom of heaven here. So we should care about social justice and society and charity and all that. Sure. But ultimately it's about the kingdom of heaven. And so if a pandemic gets us closer to the kingdom of heaven, wow, what a strange blessing. Mm-hmm. You know, if powerlessness, which what I've really felt over the last couple of years, if that helps us identify with Christ and helps us rely more on God, Amen. Man, that's exactly what I need. 
Mm. And so it's it's so weird to say that, but some of these things really are blessings in our world. And I I hope that this book and really drawing people to read the Beatitudes themselves mm. helps them find joy in their own afflictions. Mm. Wow. Well, I will be praying for that as well, that people feel, you know, blessed and supported by what you're putting out. I really do believe that there are, you know, God really puts on people's spirits a word for a time. So I will be praying that whoever picks up that book is touched, you know, because it's it's definitely necessary right now. <laughs> and yeah, thank you. moving forward, yeah. So speaking of before, you mentioned the world as it is in our economy, in our politics, in our sports. And Ooh. I know that you are super into sports. A little caveat for everyone listening. I know nothing about sports. Um, <laughs> my sister played soccer for like 18 years. And I know, well, actually, I was going to say, Always I know what a good, field yeah. goal is. I was like, a field goal is football. So actually, I don't even know anything about that. So I know nothing about anything, but I'm really receptive to your love of baseball. Yeah. And I know that you go, you know, evangelize in your habits, which is super cool. And so I would love to just hear more about your love of baseball, how that started, you know, how you evangelize and like what you're planning to do in the future. Yes. Yeah, so I grew up in a baseball softball family. Everyone in my family played it. I loved playing it as a kid. I played through college, played club baseball in college. And it was one of the most devastating moments of my life when I realized it was the last game I'd ever play. I mean, yeah. that was the biggest divestiture I've done, even joining the Friars. It runs through my veins. I love the sport. I love to play it. And so when I got to joining the Friars, we had a talk one time and the guy said that Francis didn't necessarily go to churches. He went to the city streets, to the marketplaces where people were, and he preached in language they could understand. And it invited them to a conversion of life. Very simple. And he said, you know, what are you going to do in your, our day? People don't meet in the marketplace anymore. They don't go to the city streets for entertainment. How are you going to draw them out? How are you going to meet them? And I looked to a classmate of mine. I said, baseball. You know, what do you think? Eight years ago, we had this idea. What if we go to all 30 major league stadiums, which is just a pilgrimage in itself. You know, there's something very childlike and we've always dreamed of that. And we go in our habits and we meet people where they are. We're just available and present. And then we'll do talks in each city as well, inviting them. Hey, you want to learn more about this? We're going to be at St. Whatever Church tomorrow night. And so we decide that's what we're going to do this summer. 11 weeks, 16,000 miles, 30 stadiums, 32 or 33 cities. It's going to be a whirlwind. Just two good brothers, best friend, brother sort of thing. And just preaching and loving the gospel as we meet people in the city streets. Wow, that is amazing. And that sounds like a sitcom pitch if I have ever heard one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm a sitcom, maybe documentary. That's what I'm sure. saying. I'm like, that sounds like you should film it and make like mm -hmm. a little short doc or something because that sounds amazing. We will be bringing our cameras. Yes. Yeah. Because so I'm lots like, to do here. We're planning should... a show that we're going to do on the road. Oh my gosh. Well, I cannot wait because that sounds amazing and so fun. And, you know, being present in your habits, what have you, I mean, you wear it obviously on mm. the outside of your home. Sure. And so what kind of reception do you normally get from people besides your students and people that you interact with every day and how, you know, does evangelizing kind of work in that way? Yeah, it depends where we are in some ways. Mm -hmm. So in the Northeast, we just have a stronger history of this, particularly in New York and Boston. So mm -hmm. when we go there, people know what we are. And often they're very thankful. They're like, oh, you know, my uncle you know, was married by a friar. You know, I was <laughs> baptizing. So they know what that is. And they're, they're usually encouraging. 
In the South, it's very bizarre to people. Mm. They don't know what it is. They have no tradition of it. If you tell them about Friar Tuck, uh, they may remember that from Robin Hood, but for the most part, it's just a man in a dress. <laughs> so it, it has a two way of looking at it. One is it's very peculiar, but one is it sparks the question. Mm. And people come up, what are you wearing? You know, sometimes it's as blunt as that. Or sometimes you'll get really interesting questions like, are you pretending to be Moses? No. Or is this cosplay? Or, you know, <laughs> are you in a play or something like that? <laughs> so I, I love it, even if it's weird. It's usually not disrespectful, has been sometimes, but for the most part, it's just inquisitive. Mm -hmm. And it offers an opportunity to say, oh yeah, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ and I live in a fraternity and we serve the poor and preach the gospel. And like, no way. And you're like, and you're yeah, like, yeah, yeah, we've been around for 800 years. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. I love that. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm so excited to, you know, see your journeys this summer. And what's the name of the brothers going with you? Uh, Father Tito Serrano. Okay, got it. Okay, cool. And I mean, brother isn't like brother, friend, but father. Yes. Yep. So okay. we're both Franciscan brothers. That's amazing. Uh, it's great. I mean, we, we just love tying some things in. It's the American dream, baseball, Sweet. you know, it's yeah. the American pastime. And so there are some connections there with sports, I think, with, with baseball and church that particularly mm. with baseball, it takes a long time and mm -hmm. it takes a lot of patience. And if you, you know, those who are listening who have ever played baseball, you know that much of your time is just spent in the dugout with the boys and you're kind of a fraternity and you kind of just build something there. It's the most racially diverse sport in our country and nationalities too, people from all over the world. It has a, maybe not as big of appeal as soccer, but in the US it, it's pretty well diverse and people coming to this country for, for a dream. And isn't that like the Catholic church and the, how wide we are and how inclusive we are in terms of nationality and language and culture. And so I, I just think there's a lot of touch points here that are really cool to talk about. and. You meet people where they are, they love this sport, and you say, hey, I've got something even better. You know, mm. let me tell you about this church. So Oof. we're hoping to have conversations like that. Oh my gosh. Well, prayers, prayers, prayers abound for you guys. I'm so excited for you both and, you know, for the fruits that will come of this, all the people that will encounter y'all. And if you guys happen to find yourselves in Orlando or Florida, let me know because okay. got a whole crew down here. I don't know anything about sports, but I do have a lot of friends that do. And we have a couple awesome breweries in town that I know some people would love to take y'all around and just hang now out. Now you're speaking so. my language. <laughs> so you're more than welcome if you ever find yourself in Orlando. So Padre, where can we find more information about what you're doing? Where can we follow you and just kind of keep up to date on all of your things? Yeah, so the easiest place right now is breakinginthehabit.org. And that's our landing page for our trip. And you'll find right there a description of the trip. You'll find a map of where we're going, a listing of all the stops we have. It's being updated still, so it's not complete. But then you'll also have some links at the top to all my YouTube videos and different things that we do through the ministry. Awesome. Breakinginthehabit.org. Great. We'll make sure to put that in our show notes so people can check that out. And at the end of every one of our episodes, we ask each guest about something that brings them hope. So you can either share something that, you know, brings you hope right now or is giving you hope right now or something in the future that you are hopeful for and excited about. If you need some time, I can go first. Otherwise, if you're ready, you can go. How are you feeling? Yeah, why don't you jump in right there? Inspire okay. me with something. Ooh, gosh. Well, I don't know if it's <laughs> going to be too inspo, but let's see. So something that 
I'm looking forward to and that I'm hopeful for. My mom and I get to spend a lot of time together, which is great. And I love hanging out with her. She is the best. And so we have made a resolve to go to the gym more. So we're going to hopefully get up and going every morning and go to the gym for an hour and do some workouts together. And then we're going to try to start like a breakfast crew with each other and try to make healthy breakfasts for a month and go to the gym every morning for a month and see if we can like make a healthy habit. So I'm hopeful that that actually happens and that we commit because, you know, waking up for me is not my vibe. Waking up early is not my thing. So no, um, not my charism. <laughs> it's, like, it's definitely not my, not my love language. So I'm, you know, hopeful and I'm just excited to spend more time with my mom. I think it should be really good. So how about you? Yeah. So um, I'm going to use the term here. So it's kind of inside baseball, if I can use that. So it relates oh. kind of to me, but people might understand it. The friars in the United States are in the process of merging. We're mm. seven provinces and six of them are coming together. And that's that's a big prospect, making our family a lot bigger. And there are a lot of difficulties that come along with that. But we've been having some meetings lately, locally, in in person, and then over Zoom, and just getting to know some of the guys and dreaming mm. for the future it's about restructuring and changing all the finances and the names and all that, but it's about revitalization too. And asking ourselves, what does it mean to be a Franciscan in the 21st century? And what does the United States need? And that's been sparking some great conversations of, you know, maybe we've been complicit. Maybe we've been some complacent. Maybe we've been stuck in a rut for a while mm. and some new ideas coming about and a lot of inspiration, some guys who are retired or close to retirement, getting new life and inspiring the young guys and vice versa. So I've got a lot of hope for what, what could be coming for the Friars in, in the future. Wow, that's amazing. I'll, I'll definitely be praying for you guys and well, for everyone listening. Yes, we'll be praying. You guys are doing a great thing, so. And I will be praying for your uh, your healthy meals and exercise. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. I don't know we if your prayers, it. I don't know if your prayers are going to be obsolete because to be honest, like <laughs> I'm thinking about Frosted Flakes as I'm telling you about Oof. getting up. And so I don't even know if I'm going to do it. Um, but for everyone listening, maybe they'll keep me accountable. But thank you so much for being a guest today. And I loved talking with you. I'm really excited to follow your journey. Thank you so much. Well, absolutely. Thank you, Chanel. Mm -hmm. Thank you guys for listening and thank you so much to Father Casey for being our guest. Make sure to check out Father Casey's YouTube channel, Breaking in the Habit. It's an awesome channel where he just really breaks down what being a priest is like, being a friar, and, you know, just other really fun things. He's a super cool padre and I was really blessed to be able to have had this conversation with him. I'm looking forward to talking to y'all next week. Please pray for me. I'll be praying for you. God bless. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit SpokeStreet.com.